welcome to the Hackney Church Podcast. Our vision is to bring hope to the heart of Hackney. To connect in, visit us online at hackney.church or follow us on Instagram at hackney.church. Enjoy. Our reading today is taken from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, and reading verses 1 to 7 and 11 to 13. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called, to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as a Christ apportioned it. Then reading from verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we are all reached unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Um, my guest tonight is the Right Reverend Dr. Joanne Woolway Grenfell. Thank you so much. That was like spotless, seamless choreography. That was amazing. Look at that. Was that like, were you like, did you know that was going to happen? Just responded like, let's just like servant leadership right there. Like, just jump up there, grab the stand in one hand. So, the Right Reverend jo- Dr. Joanne Woolway Grenfell attended school in Stockton Tees. University at Oral College, Oxford, before completing a master's at the University of Vancouver, before returning to Oxford to do a PhD, before staying on to lecture at Oxford in English literature. Then she went on to train for ordination at Cambridge University before being ordained alongside her husband, James, in 2000. Together, they have three children. Her ministry has led her from the outer housing estates to inner city parishes, to campaigning for justice, right the way through to championing church planting. Then on the 7th of May this year, Downing Street announced that the Queen had accepted her nomination as the next Bishop of Stepney. She began her ministry literally a few days ago and has very kindly moved, literally moved heaven and earth to be here today. She's incredibly busy and has cleared a Sunday to come and spend the whole day with us as Hackney Church. And so would you please put your hands together to welcome the new Bishop of Stepney. So, Bishop Joanne, thank you, firstly, for coming and hanging out. This is the fourth service. It is. Are you feeling all right? Is it good? I'm, I'm loving it. I'm having a great time. Thank you for the hospitality and for the welcome. So, t- t- how, what does it feel like being a bishop? Well, I mean, there's a lot to get used to. It's new and it involves moving house and beginning somewhere where I don't know anything. And, you know, I am that person at the ticket barrier at the tube station who can't find her oyster card and there's a whole queue behind going, come on, move, move, move. <laughs> So it's really unfamiliar, but it's also amazingly wonderful. It's welcoming, um, and we just think we've come to the best, best part of the world. You definitely come to the best part. <laughs> now we have, you know this, because we've, we've done this already this morning, but we put a load of um, like questions out on <laughs> social media. Oh, I heard. <laughs> and loads of you have like gone on hackney.church on Instagram and sent questions in, and 
Um, we've got some really good questions. Okay. Um, I've saved some good ones for tonight as surprises. Um, but before we get into that, like, talk, talk to us a bit about moving to East London. How's it felt? Like, a bunch of us here, hands up if you've moved to East London in, like, the last year. If you're, like, from... Okay, so a bunch of us have been through this. How's it feel moving into a completely new city, selling in a new place? What's been, like, the surprise for you? What's been a standout moment? Um, the best thing of all has been just the sense of how churches here want to grow and change, that they're up for the challenge, that they want to share this amazing love and hope that we know in God with other people, and that they're willing to kind of go the extra mile in doing stuff. So I think I've come to the most kind of creative and up for change part of the church. And in terms of, of um, the community, wider society, I mean, so exciting, so diverse, so creative, so much new stuff happening. And so I can't, we feel, just as a family, that we've landed somewhere that's incredibly exciting. Every time you step outside the door, new stuff happens, and that's really special. As a bishop, do you have any like special privileges, superpowers, like parking, <laughs> like free parking? Like, is it sort of like any like things, power of arrest? No, I would be good. <laughs> no, um, the strangest experience so far has really been carrying around um, the kind of shepherd's crook called a crozier <laughs> that bishops carry to remind themselves that they are like shepherds of the flock. And I was carrying it on the bus the other day, and somebody. <laughs> as do you take do. it with you to like go to Tesco's? Would you? No. no okay. <laughs> but to go to church, <laughs> um, I was going to do a confirmation service where you're, you know, you're there to encourage people in their faith, and you're there to kind of draw people into the fold, and you're there to prod the church and say, "Come on, do more mission." But I was on the bus, and somebody said to me, "Are you little Bo Peep?" <laughs> 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 but then Did where to start? <laughs> no, I'd get arrested. Um, <laughs> but it, it makes you realise that there are some of those kind of strange Church of England rituals and habits that are part of this job, but you have to think what they're for, and then you have to explain them in a way that makes sense. This is a, a role of encouragement, and, and that's what it's for. So it's been great fun chatting all day, and one of the things that kept coming through our conversations, and this is the fourth one we've had today, is your heart for encouraging people. Yeah. And just say a little bit about your passion for encouraging the church? Well, I mean, I think there's so much that the church can do and has to do to grow so that we can make a bigger difference and kind of show more of what the kingdom of God is about. And so I've been quite involved in that in my last job in, in Portsmouth Diocese in seeing what's possible when you trust people to do the jobs that, that God wants them to do, to, to listen to their calling. Um, and so my job is, you know, I'd be a really lousy church planter. I'd be terrible at doing your job. But my job is to be an encourager. It's to see the gifts in people and to say, hey, you, you know, what's God asking of you now? And, and then to try and equip people to release what's already in them, to give them confidence. Because we don't always come fully formed with confidence right at our fingertips. It's to draw that out of people. And for me, that feels like a really important part of being a bishop is to encourage people so that you can grow God's church and you can make a bigger difference. So the church is going through a time of real change. There are lots of good things, lots of encouragements. There are also challenges. Um, I read this week that the average size now of a Church of England congregation in the UK is just 27 people, I think it is. Yeah. Um, that's a sort of scary thought. But yeah. when you look at the church, what, what do you feel the future is going to look like for the church? Does it have a future? Yeah. I really believe it do, does, and I just want to say that for those congregations that are those groups of 27, well done for keeping going. You know, they are faithful, and that's something really to be celebrated. 
But I also know that the church needs to grow. Um, it needs to, to bring the gospel afresh to every generation. That includes yours and generations to follow. Um, and so I do have hope that that can happen because I see it happening. I see you're here. I, I know, you know plenty of other young people don't believe that the church is dead. It's growing. It's alive. It's becoming culturally relevant. It's, it's dying to some of the things that we used to hold on to as important in order to find new life. Hmm. So I really have hope for that, but don't underestimate also the challenge of, of the hill to climb. And, and so many things need speaking into in our culture, whether that's politics or community life or you know, homelessness, everything. And we need a bigger church that can show more of what God's about. And that means you know, sharing what's in your heart and living a life that is so authentic and so attractive that other people say, I want some of what they've got. So that's amazing to hear you articulate as a bishop. It's, it's, um, it's inspiring, I guess, for us as people who are you know, wanting to serve you and support you. Um, I got one message in um, uh, from our mutual friend, Alex Wood, who leads Harvard Church. Sure. It's a complete like, set-up question. He's like, out of the... <laughs> Eight, the Brighton, St. Peter's Brighton church plant into the Portsmouth area, which is your favourite. Of course, there's only one oh. Harvard church. It's a setup, but like you were instrumental in helping plant that church, but also many other expressions of church in the Portsmouth yeah. area where you were before coming here. Just say a bit about your heart for church growth and sure. what that might look like. Sure. Um, I was an archdeacon in my previous job, which is a kind of a bit of a fixer and a, um, you do appointments and buildings and legal, and it can get a bit dull sometimes. And if you just sit at your desk and let all that come in, you could just do that, but you wouldn't really see the church grow. And I felt as a minister in the church and, and also as a mother, actually, of, of teenagers, that I wanted the church to grow and to be there in a way that my teenagers would find appealing. And if I got to the end of my job as archdeacon and that hadn't happened, then I would have failed as a mother and as a minister. Hmm. And so um, we had this huge opportunity to support a church plant coming from St. Peter's Brighton. Um, and this incredible team of about 15 or so came um, with just so much passion and commitment and love in their hearts. And my goodness, they hit Portsmouth like a whirlwind. Um, and they planted into a disused department store. Um, it was fun getting that ready in time. Um, and they started, you know, a kind of new form of worship. And that spread into the evening. And then they brought new life to other churches around Portsmouth. They worked in partnership. And they were amazing because it, it wasn't like McDonald's setting up a new branch in different places. They tried to do something that was relevant and local, that really belonged in the context. So lots of ministry to the homeless and vulnerable women. And to see that grow and to see other expressions of church in Portsmouth, you know, take root in really unlikely places where, you know, maybe it was even fewer than the 27 that were left and the building was falling down. To see that new life coming made me realize that, you know, in God, anything is possible, but we need to join in with it. Um, you know, we are God's hands and feet doing this work, and so we have to get behind it. And so that's what happened, and that's how Alex and his team came, and it's really lovely to be reminded of that, actually. Mm. It was um, a basic set of questions. Completely like, set up. That's Alex I think he, all over. Yeah, he was hoping for, like, a massive shout-out for Harbour Church. Um, um, but could, could we just, could we just, um, uh, just, could we just shout out back to them, because I know he'll listen to this. <laughs> could, you just, could you just say, hi, Alex, really loudly? Okay, one, two, three. There you go, dude. That's all that's for you. Um, now, listen, we had a load of questions come in that are deeply controversial, and I'm going to go through in no particular order. Okay. Okay. 
Favourite flavour of ice cream? Definitely Devon cluttered vanilla with a really good dollop of toffee sauce. Thank you. <laughs> okay, every that was the service right all day, that has got the clap. Like, the nine o'clock core Eucharist, yeah, no. were like, his revive was breaking up. Don't give out. me strawberry or chocolate, it's got to be that. And ironically, over lunch, we served you... gave you, me that, We yeah. gave you that ice cream, that must have been the Lord, because we hadn't planned it. But um, let's talk a little bit about... Um, leadership and particularly a load of questions came in on Instagram um, picking up that you are actually the first female Bishop of Stepney and um, yeah come on so one question someone said this what's it like being a woman bishop in a church leadership dominated by men <laughs> I mean in a sense I don't know because I don't know what it's like to be a male bishop so I've only got the experience that I've got and and that's what I've got to work with and reflect on I also want to say that the Church of England has got a long way to go in terms of diversity, and that includes men and women being equal in leadership, but that is by no means the only story. You know, there is so much more that we need to do in mm. terms of ethnic diversity, um, different abilities, um, sexuality, people at different stages of life from different backgrounds, different educational backgrounds. Um, you know, if I want to carry a card for diversity, I want to carry it for all of that. And I, I need the rest of the church to help me do that because I can't see it all on my own. So I'm open to being told this is what you've missed. Um, this is something we've got to do with eyes and ears together. Next one. Thank you so much. You. Next one that came in was um, this. What's your favorite piece of music or piece of artwork? <laughs> um, Favourite piece of music is a piece that was played at my consecration service. And, you know, if you can imagine if you've been in St Paul's Cathedral, it, it's kind of jaw-droppingly awesome. And you walk in and think, oh. Um, and then after communion, after I'd been made a bishop, the choir started to sing a piece of music that I'd chosen, but I'd almost forgotten I'd chosen. And it's um, a setting of a poem by George Herbert. And I, I love poetry. It's what I studied. And it's set to music by Vaughan Williams, and it's called Rise Heart. And when you hear the opening strains of that, your heart can't help but rise. It's that feeling of knowing that God is with you, that the Spirit is, is moving in your heart and bringing you such utter joy. Um, and I pretty much cried at that point. I was like, stop, you've got mascara. It's not going to look great. <laughs> <laughs> you're all bleary-eyed, and you're a new bishop. But um, I was utterly moved by that piece of music at that point. Let's talk a bit more about the arts. Um, I imagine there are a bunch of people here who are in the working either in the creative mm -hmm. industries or have passion. Just hands up if you have a heart for the arts or you work in the creative industries. And, okay, so a bunch of okay. us here. You, you spoke again this morning a little bit about this, but I'd love to draw out of you um, what you feel the role of the church in the arts is mm. right now. Yeah. I feel it's really important that we are a space for the arts. And, you know, through the centuries, the church has often been a kind of patron of the arts, giving space, um, providing an income, um, and more than just those things, actually giving the, the kind of emotional and intellectual space for us to share ideas and um, to have our, um, our eyes opened and our hearts lifted by many different things that are beautiful, whether that's music or art or sculpture or, you know, architecture, I think, does it for me. So that role's there, and it needs to be there now. Just because it's modern art or modern music doesn't mean that the church couldn't be an encourager of that and kind of give it life and, and give it breath. But I think it also works the other way around. I, you know, I don't see a division between our culture and how God is working. It's not that they're separate things. And so 
we can be open to taking inspiration from, you know, the words of a song that, that we catch on the radio, from um, a piece of art that's there in the park, you know, out in the community. And to allow God to speak to us in those unexpected ways strikes me as really important, that, that God can surprise us, that God isn't stuck in the walls of, of the church, great place though this is, but, but that we're somehow spoken to in the most unexpected ways. And I, I love it when our faith is, is, um, is informed by that. Amazing. Another very uncontroversial question just came in, uh, which is simply this, leave or remain? Oh, you know, I knew this was coming. Um, I, we had conversations around the kitchen table with my kids who were like, Mum, they're going to ask you about Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, the reason I mention that is because as a family, we've, we've had quite a big debate about this. Um, my husband James and I have got different views on it. We, I think we share some of the fundamentals, but we voted differently. So the first thing I want to say is that you can be a Christian and hold either position. That, you know, there are very good reasons for holding either. And I think we've had to learn as a, a family and as a couple to actually listen for what somebody's saying and not assume you know what they believe just because of one little thing that they've said. And that's hard, and I'm not saying that we got there immediately. There was you know, quite some discussion. Um, but there is something for us about really properly attending to each other, mm. listening to what we're really saying, not what we think everybody else is saying. Um, so it feels important to me as a church that we model that. It also feels really important that we are people and communities of peace. You know, like we were reflecting on in, in the letter to the Ephesians, um, that to model peace means not being the person that strikes the first blow, not being the person that reacts instantly and tries to get one up on the other one, um, not one who always holds a grudge. Um, being communities of peace would mean modeling that in the wider community where there is huge division. And finally, I think particularly in relation to Brexit, I, I just detest the, the racism and the, the fear of the other and um, the lack of welcome to the stranger in our midst that I think it has unleashed. And I don't ascribe that to people who vote one way or another, but it's certainly much more around than it was. You know, as a church, we have to be prophetic and say that actually we are all God's children. Every single one of us is part of the body of Christ. And if one part of that is treated badly or is not welcomed, then, then we are all hurt and we're all lessened. We're all not the people that God wants us to be. And so stand against that as a church. You know, be different and be distinctive. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, after one of our morning conversations this morning, um, uh, a member of our congregation who came to the 11.30 service, he's in a, a band, travel a lot, and they're kind of um, doing really well at the moment, but he came up to me, he said, that, referring to something you'd said, he said, that just completely blew my mind. They had this kind of look of like, their mind had been blown. And I said, well, what's happened? And, and they said um, uh, that you, you talk through the, the way that without diversity and without difference, yeah. there can't be any justice um, and how the church is called to yeah. create that. Just say a little bit about that, um, sure. because it's, I found that a really powerful, uh, helpful concept. I think what I was trying to get at is that if we're really all the children of God, which we are, then we're all part of the body of Christ, and every part has a part to play. 
And so we need each other um, to fully reflect God because we are God's body. But also that a church that's um, not seeing injustice in the world and a church that itself is being unjust by the way it treats people cannot hold out the hope of God's kingdom, which is about peace and about justice. So it matters how we are. And that's true in, in the areas where we may find theological disagreement. It's true when our leadership doesn't fully reflect society. It's true if we fail to attend to the voices of the poor around us, that we're all somehow poorer for that. And we cannot be signs of the hope that God wants his church to be. Amazing. Yeah, come on. I'm, I'm, in a cl- I'm waiting for someone to clap. because. If you don't know, we're an encouraging church, but um, I found that very, very helpful just in our conversation. And I guess one of the questions I have is, you know, we're a church that are growing. Yeah. Um, we're a church that have lots of difference. Uh, we have different traditions. Yeah. Um, as you pointed out, you know, we started our morning this morning with a thurible and incense, and <laughs> we're sitting here in the evening with a haze machine. Yeah, it's all white smoke, but it comes from it's different It's all white smoke, but hey, it's all the Holy Spirit. Um, but, but like how we hold together and how we do different. Yeah. And how we encourage that in each other yeah. is really exciting to me. And I know you've yeah. been yeah. helping me understand a little bit about that in our conversations. Just as we look forward as a congregation, as part of what are about to become five or six congregations yeah, across right. maybe three locations, how do we hold together difference and grow yeah. through change? I mean, like, what's your tips for us? Like, <laughs> help us navigate the next year through change well. I think there isn't a kind of magic formula and that at your heart you have to be listening to God and asking where you're being called. But what I see here is a kind of diversity of tradition that's really rich and healthy. You know, from the congregation members this morning who told me about how they'd come to Hackney, how this church had been there for them, how their parents were prayer warriors, and who valued the kind of liturgy, the tradition, yeah, the incense. You know, we had a really beautiful communion service. I wanted to say to them, you have a gift that's rich and that's worth offering um, to different generations, including those who want to learn how to do silence and stillness and to persist in prayer and um, to kind of take things more slowly. But what I also see here and in the, the later morning service is a kind of vibrancy and energy that's focused on people who may never have come to church before and which allows it to be for them a place of welcome and, you know, of homecoming. And if you can do all of that together in a church, and if you don't feel that those traditions are in competition with each other, you know, this is not a zero-sum game. One tradition's gain is not another one's loss. Then actually you're truly, um, you're truly the Church of England because it's got the whole of that, but you're also truly doing something that's of God because God appeals to us and speaks to us and Um, makes himself known to us in so many different ways. So why limit what you can do? I just want to encourage you for being this broad and this open and just say, keep going, do it. Let's talk a bit more about leadership. You're in a leadership role. Um, The word leadership isn't often, you know, sort of word that um, we associate with church. We talk about service a lot. But in terms of leading... We're looking at around the room today, you know, there, there are loads of people here who will be leading different workplaces or yeah. spheres of influence or creative industries. Um, but what about somebody who maybe senses a call to use that ability to lead others in a way of helping build the body of Christ, what we were talking about yeah. tonight in Ephesians? Yeah. Maybe it's a sense of vocation, a sense of like, well, you know, I could do that or I think I never could do that, but I still feel God yeah. calling me to do that. 
How, do you, how have you found your journey to leadership through a sense of call? And what would you say to someone here maybe who feels called perhaps to leadership? Uh, how do they discern that? How do they work it out? Um, I'd say, first of all, that we really have to listen. And that takes real attentiveness in prayer that God may speak to us in a whisper or through, you know, loud claps of thunder, but that God will, will speak and that God will give us the strength to do whatever God wants. And my own experience really of calling was of wandering, stumbling into a church in New York when I was going to a conference and I was trying to do the whole academic thing and prove myself and get a really nice job in a university. And it wasn't going badly, to be really honest. It, I loved it. But I had a sense at that moment, an overwhelming sense of God's presence with me and of God saying, you can lay this aside and listen for what I'm asking of you. And, and it is to serve, it is to lead um, in my church. And the particular sense I had was a feeling of being told, I will keep you safe. Um, and wandering through the streets of New York as a tourist and you know, on my own, fairly young, I kind of needed that sense that God would protect me and God would look after me. And so from that moment, it took some kind of working out, some wrestling, some can I do it kind of stuff. Um, and that's kind of led me to, to this day. So I would say, listen, but also it can take a while for the confidence to build. And some of us never quite feel we've got there. It's all right to feel you've got a bit of that imposter syndrome that's like, well, me, really, really, me? Um, and that you might need the encouragement of friends and family and other people in your church to say, no, actually, we see that in you and you need to attend to it. And God will keep you safe. God will equip you. So listen, listen for that voice and trust that God will do it in you. Let's talk well, a bunch of some questions in about the future of the church in terms mm. of Revival, what would it look like for the church to be renewed and to serve the city? And if we were to fast forward 20 years, 30 years, what's the church you dream of seeing um, in East London? I dream of seeing a church that's full of hope um, and is also humble and servant-hearted, that we have hope because we believe in God and we believe in the resurrection and the new life that Jesus Christ brings, um, but that we long to share that with others and, and bring with us the, the best of our tradition to share, but that we let go of the stuff that isn't so helpful. Also servant-hearted in the sense of being out there serving. We're, we're not here to build up our club. I mean, this would be a great club to be a member of, but this is not a club. Um, we're actually here to look beyond, to go out to make new disciples and to serve, you know, really to discern what the needs are of our community and, you know, the more of us there are, the bigger difference we can make under God. So I do see a, a confident and a growing church, but I believe it will be different. And we will have had to have let go of some stuff. And we will have had to have raised up a new generation of leaders too. And I think that's you. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Now, we, we are, our paths first crossed about 18 months ago. Mm when you appeared under the radar, incognito. <laughs> um, we, I got a message that you were coming to Hackney and actually I was away, but Mark yeah. kind of met you. Just say a bit about that, because that's an amazing sure. kind of story. It's incredible, yeah. Um, so I had some study leave and I was looking at churches that had grown a lot, that were serving their community in new ways and that had a really big and bold vision. And I wanted to see how that worked around the country. And so everyone said, you've got to go and see what they're doing in Hackney. So we bowled up one day 
Um, and we had this incredible tour of, well, your building site, to be really honest. Um, but we heard a vision. You know, we heard a vision that included um, an orchard and an apiary and serving the school and building a community. Oh, and restoring this building that you can see the sky through the ceiling at the moment. Um, and I went back to Portsmouth just kind of bowled over by that and excited by it. And I went back to Alex, hi Alex, and said, come on, we've got to think even bigger. They <laughs> want to serve the whole of Hackney. It's now East London, I hear. It's got even bigger in 18 months. I said, come on, we need to serve the whole of Portsmouth. How would we have to think in a bigger way that would enable us to lift our eyes and see what God wants us to do? And so he was like, hmm, okay. So they moved into their third site at that point and, you know, five congregations. And so we're really grateful for your inspiration. And now I've kind of found myself back here again and think, I feel like I've come home in some ways and I feel very much at home here, which is great. But that we will continue to work through those visions and those challenges together and that that will maybe influence the church throughout the East End. Yeah, oh man, we've got to encourage you. It's entirely the other way around. We're here to learn from you and support you. And I guess it comes into my final kind of set of questions, which is how can we as a congregation, I've asked you this across the day, how can we serve you and pray for you in the years ahead of this journey? I would love it if you would. That's the most important thing of all to say. And actually, I've already felt that as we've moved, as we've settled in, as I've you know, done these first few crazy weeks of learning to be a bishop and getting the hang of all the different things. Um, so I, first of all, I would just love it if you would pray. Um, in particular, um, that I would be able to find a kind of balance and a rhythm to life. You know, I could just be a really busy person doing lots of stuff, but that's not ministry, that's just busyness. And ministry is about a rhythm of, of prayer and of studying the scriptures and of breaking bread together and of being in community. It's about family and friends. It's about rest. Um, and so I would love it if you would pray that I would find that balance. It's hard in the first few weeks because you want to do everything. Um, but that's something I need to work on because this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Um, and the second thing is that you would encourage me to encourage you and others to be bold I don't want to be a really good church bureaucrat that does a lot of good form filling in and looks back and says, gosh, that was really neat handwriting. I want to be bold and encourage you to be creative and audacious in what you want to do for the gospel. So pray that I won't lose that sense of, come on, let's just do it, go for it. Um, and that, that will sustain me and all of us together through lots of ministry for, I hope, lots of years to come. <laughs> Amazing. Bishop Joanne, thank you so much. Um, you are an inspiration. Thanks for listening to the Hackney Church Podcast. Don't forget to connect in online at hackney.church and we'll see you soon. God bless.